X's for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things movies, music, media, comics, and more, check out Cage Club at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. X's for Podcast is proud to bring you the first ever Platinum Dazzler Award celebrating excellence in X-Men comics. The following awards were sourced to the members of the X's for Podcast team as well as X-Twitter to create two winners for each category. I'm your host, Nico. Let's get started. Hey everybody, Jonah here, and you can follow me over on Twitter and Instagram at PeakJonah. I'm going to be bringing you the award for which X-Men stood out in a crossover. While the X-Men didn't figure too closely into the main narrative of an empire between their tie-ins and the Empire X-Men miniseries, several characters did stand out. The characters who are up for this award are Angel in Empire X-Men, Monet in Empire X-Men, Magic in Empire X-Men, and Vulcan in X-Men. And the winner of award who brings my heart to a little flutter for both Twitter and our own X-Pack is Magic. I don't think anybody would say would see differently. Magic kind of did take over with her iconic fashion moments as well as giving us this amazing, you know, great tiefling-esque demon form where she was going to take over the world and the ne- next panel they just skipped over that. I really think that for the tie-in, which didn't really have to do much of anything, Magic was the one who stood out. I personally think Monet was a close second, because I don't think she's being utilized as well as she could be, and Angel was just kind of like, you know, a himbo and sang some Neil Diamond. Hello, and welcome to the X of Swords Platinum Dazzler Awards! So, tonight, I'm so glad I got dressed up for this. Oh, it's all audio? Oh, well, okay. (laughs) Anyways, welcome to the Platinum Dazzler Awards. Our category is Exoswords New Characters That Have Been Introduced. Of the Iraqi characters, which was the favorite? Our nominees are Genesis. Ooh, those sparkly hands and all that really great skill. Bay. Ugh. Tell me she's not absolutely bay, those big broad shoulders. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Ah, back to the awards. We have Iska the Unbroken. Well, we have Iska the Unbeaten. Well, I mean, anyways, we're not going to get into the semantics of that. Or Solemn, best new Iraqi character. And we've got, let's see. Oh, there it is. There's the award. And let's hear this one open. Oh, oh my God. This must be a first. We have a tie. Bay and Iska, which I guess that would technically make her still unbeaten. Yay! We break into this award show with a very important news update. While Iska had previously been reported to be unbeaten, X-Twitter has brought her down. In fact, Bay is the sole winner of the X-Twitter award for favorite new Iraqi character, leaving Iska defeated and beaten. Hey guys, it's Maddie, and you can find me over on Instagram at the Basely Covetous Man, and over on Twitter at Basely Covetous. I feel so especially fortunate to be bringing you these Platinum Dazzler Awards as part of the X's for Podcast, and I feel truly blessed to have spent the last year covering everything from House and Powers through the Dawn of X, and now to be here christening 2021 with the Reign of X. But that said, we need to take a little bit of time and a little bit of reflection to give a nod to some of the series and characters who helped carry us along the way. So without further ado, let's get to today's award. With a massive cast, X-Force has a number of characters in the lead role. Which lead role was your favorite? And of course the options are Black Tom Cassidy, 
Quentin Quire, Wolverine, and Domino. Now, we polled the expat, the internal X's for Podcast family, as well as Twitter, and our winners are from the expat, Black Tom Cassidy, and from Twitter, Domino. Now, I'll be honest, I voted for Black Tom personally, but my heart told me to vote for Quentin Quire. I love Quentin, I love some Kid Omega, but he has come so far from the pages of Jason Aaron's Wolverine and the X-Men, which is where I truly got a taste for him. And I think the Black Tom really swept in this category he he truly deserved it whether it was his feature in x-men empire turning himself into a little dirt man or being a mermaid in the last issue of x-force black tom is bringing the comedy gold and the comic relief that this book needs especially in light of all of beast's actions as for the twitter results i'm thrilled to see that domino took this win i think that it is a role that she truly deserves for all that she's been through having her skin grafted off for the armies of xeno and i truly respect the decision to give her this award because i think her road to recovery is going to be something that really changes the tone of x-force for the better going forward and there you have it guys the award for best lead in x-force thank you so much for tuning into the platinum dazzlers i'm maddie i hope you've enjoyed it hey everybody i'm nico and I'm Kyle. And we're here to discuss the award for, well, okay. So, you know, when you think about certain characters, you think about like their opposite, right? Like you either see, you know, if it's 1963, you see Xavier and Magneto as opposites. If it's 2020, you see them as elderly gay lovers looking for a nice little place on Krakoa. <laughs> so like, you know, you, you sort of see things naturally paired. And like, when I think of Wolverine, I automatically think of his nemeses, right? So right. Kyle, I think you have a poll question about that i do so our question was after several years without his solo title logan returned to wolverine and has already seen a significant number of villains in his pages who has been your favorite omega red dracula the flower cartel and pale girl or solemn i don't think it was much of a question because like let's face it we all kind of felt that way when we read it at the time it's solemn it's it's solemn all the way not only is it solemn for the x-pack but this is one of the questions where the x-pack and x twitter both agreed now i can't help but really chime in on this dracula eh, leave him to like blade and the british guys right yeah flower cartel and pale girl cool cool but i think i'm a little bit more about horticulture if you're asking me about bad flower people same here i, th- I think right. we we've seen plenty of flower people at this point and it's not that i'm like omega done with omega red but i'm pretty omega k right now on appearances from uh mr red white and whiplashy <laughs> let's uh let's uh leave him in the 90s huh right but so then we've got solemn who represents this interesting smarmy kind of sexy kind of you know hideous and deformed but kind of sexy take on a wolverine villain and i did like him i liked his interplay as we pointed out way too many times during our coverage of ten of swords he and wolverine definitely watched each other like do some dog grow back and that that's worth mentioning at the award that they are well that he is to receive so solemn you know on on behalf of a guy who voted for you uh and a guy who really likes that x twitter took to you the same way the x pack did congratulations on your win kyle how did you feel about solemn oh you know i wish that we had gotten just a little bit more of solemn during the actual contest 
the time that we had with him during the lead up to it was great, but I kind of hoped that we would have seen a little bit more. Well, hopefully on the heels of his enormous Platinum Dazzler win, Solemn will return to the pages of X-Men, perhaps on an unfortunate little island that has found its way to our reality. Mm -hmm. You mean one that's not very friendly with him at the moment? Well, he's got bigger problems. He does. (laughs) Welcome back to the Platinum Dazzlers. This is Josh. As always, you can find me at Asleep at the Wheel, W-E-I-L on Twitter and at asleepatthewheel.com. This next category comes from the Dawn of X book, New Mutants. With a constantly changing roster, which New Mutants crew was your favorite? And the nominees are the Classic and Gen X crew, featuring Danny, Karma, Rain, Birdo, Cypher, Chamber, and Mondo. The Girl Power crew, featuring Armor, Boom Boom, and Magma. The Anger Squad, featuring Glob, Magic, and Danny. Or the X of Swords competitors featuring Cypher and Magic. New Mutants is a book that I think a lot of us have loved, but we've been desperately waiting for it to get some direction. And, you know, this time next year, the answer might be Vita Ayala's crew. But from the first year of the Dawn of X, the winner is... Classic and Gen X featuring Danny, Karma, Rain, Berto, Cypher, Chamber, and Mondo. Now, I 100% agree with this. Uh, That would have been my choice as well. And I have to say, part of it for me isn't the crew, although... I'm a 90s child. I grew up with Gen X. Uh, I have so much love for Chamber. Mondo was not really a character that grabbed your heart the way the rest of the team did uh, back in the 90s. But Chamber is my sad emo boy. I love him a lot. I want some good Chamber and Husk content here in the Krakoa era. I want Chamber to be resurrected and have a face and finally get to kiss Husk after 30 years. I I have wants. But this is a... The classic Gen X crew was, it's also the way it was told. I mean, it had the beautiful Rod Reyes art. It was the Hickman story taking him into space. It was magic asking people if they want to make out before she beat their ass. It was magic loving her big pot of green coffee and Danny Rain sitting peacefully in the grass. That new classic photo that has become the quintessential Rain. It's Birdo hitting on Death Bird and then fighting with Sam and literally, you know, him, <laughs> Roberto, Izzy, and Sam becoming the this is my husband and this is his boyfriend meme. It was the way they were used. It was the story and it was how much I loved being with all of them in a way that just the other three, the Girl Power, Anger Squads, and X of Swords, while there were some good dynamics, it just didn't capture it the same way. The Hickman writing, the Reyes art, and those characters were perfect. Uh, I I love that opening story, and uh, they were definitely the rightful winners here in this category. Congratulations, Classic and Gen X crew.
Hey everybody, this is Chongo, Chongo ATX on Twitter. I am here to do the category of which of the great captains, parentheses, featured in nearly every title throughout the Dawn of X is your favorite. The nominees for this category were Cyclops, Magic, Gorgon, and Bishop. The winner for the poll and for the pod were both unanimous with Magic. I don't think anyone that's read Dawn of X is surprised by that because Magic has been fully utilized throughout this whole story, whether it was during Empire, where she was clashing with big beanstalk monsters, or if she was in X of Swords trying to arm wrestle a big alligator man. So I think this is the perfect fit for everyone all around. We have more stuff coming with Magic as we see coming in um, New Mutants. So it's a great run and hope you guys have a good time. Bye. Hey everybody, Nico here again. And Maddie. And we're here to discuss an award that I love so much because this is an idea that didn't even exist before House and Powers came on. So that we even have this award at all is just like some of the most fun shit in the entire world. I'm sending it over your way, Maddie. And I have got it. Fantastic. So as you may or may not know, I came on to X's for Podcasts pretty recently during the beginning of the House and Powers coverage, and or rather the end of the House and Powers coverage. And I've been so fortunate to be a part of all of our Dawn of X coverage. I'm so fortunate to continue to grow with this team as we move into the Reign of X coverage. And with that, with what Nico said, we didn't have the possibility of this question before a year, year and a half ago. So with that, let's get to it. Which season of The Quiet Council of Krakoa heavily featured in X-Men is your personal favorite? The options, of course, are four. We have Autumn, which is Professor X, Magneto, and Apocalypse, or A. We have The Winter Court, which is Mystique, Exodus, and Mr. Sinister. We have The Spring Court, which is The Red Queen, The White Queen, and The Black King, who are, respectively, Kate Pride, Emma Frost, and Sebastian Shaw. And we have the Summer Court, which is Storm, Nightcrawler, and Marvel Girl. Now, I'll be honest, my choice did not win here, but I'm super excited to announce that the X-Pac winner for favorite season of The Quiet Council is Spring. And X-Twitter was a solid tie between Spring and Winter. Now, I myself voted Summer. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that in the initial roster that we sent out the original poll for the internal team had a few more options, and then we whittled it down to the most successful, most popular options because Twitter has a uh, poll limit, right? And we came up with the top four for that. And I would just I would be making a terrible mistake if I didn't mention that Krakoa, a team consisting of Krakoa and Cipher, did actually receive at least one vote on our original internal poll. So I just wanted to put out there that that even exists. Now, Maddie, did your season come in uh, in the top two, or do you feel like this poll is maybe a little bit not representative of what you were thinking? I am very surprised to see spring, and not only spring, but winter, in the top spots here. I thought for sure that autumn was going to sweep. I thought the powerhouse combination of Professor X, Magneto, and A was going to sweep, but maybe it's the vacancy now. It is only two-thirds of a seat after Ten of Swords, so, you know, it could just be a numbers thing, but wow, guys, that was that was mind-blowing. I'll agree. I would have thought that Storm, Nightcrawler, and Jean in the form of Summer would have performed a little bit better. But in the end, the fans and panelists have spoken, and this one goes firmly 
to spring with a solid nod to winter. Hey guys, this is Kyle. You can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82, D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2. So the end of Ten of Swords brought us the reactivation of the peak and sword. And I have to say, that made me super incredibly excited with the mutants of Kirkoa entering into the Marvel Cosmic Universe. And I'm just so excited. Because of that, we've decided to to award a Platinum Dazzler to the sword book. So we asked, while it's only been a single issue, sword is already an exciting new age for the X-Men, especially when it comes to space. And to power this station, they need a huge cast. Which returning to, or new to, the world of X character is your favorite so far? Fabian Cortez, Amelia Vogt, Blink, Frenzy, or Wizkid? So... The X-Pack decided that we all liked WizKid, and X-Twitter was tied between WizKid and Blink. I was really excited that WizKid was selected on both sides of this question, so I've been super excited about WizKid's inclusion in S.W.O.R.D. since it was announced. He was one of my favorite characters all the way back in Inferno, and having Taki, WizKid, being such an integral part of the sword station and the missions that they will be partaking in it's it's just really cool because it means that the x office isn't just looking at your standard characters they're looking for any type of opportunity to advance inclusion in the mutant nation whereas blink you know i'll be honest i've never experienced any any stories with Blink, so I am looking forward to getting to know her through this story. So here's hoping for some more exciting stories with Sword. Hey everyone, this is Robbie bringing you the next segment. You can't see me right now, but I am totally wearing a Golden Globes-esque outfit. <laughs> this category is for a series that has really connected with my love for both heroes and Dungeons and Dragons. A series that continues to grow in my heart. Excalibur. Excalibur brought massive change to much of its cast. Which rebranding did you enjoy the most? The Four categories are Betsy's turn as Captain Britain, Apocalypse becomes A, Richter becomes a Druid, Jamie becomes Monarch with his own place in the other world. And for best Excalibur rebranding, the award goes to Betsy. This award marks Betsy's first win. She won for both X-Pac and X-Twitter. Accepting this award for Betsy Braddock is a bucket of pieces of her. And welcome back to the Platinum Dazzlers. I'm one of your co-hosts, Arturo. That's Mr. Toybox on Twitter and Instagram. And let's get to our next category, which is X Character of the Year. In 2020, we saw so much growth and development across the line. We saw so many faces resurrected, characters long forgotten have come back, and some familiar faces have just really taken on new roles 
and really revealed new sides of themselves to us. It's been really incredible to watch, not just the promise of Krakoa, but actually the individuals and the and the people that are, are taking an active role in creating this era, the, the characters that are that are having the biggest impacts. So we had a lot of stars, but there were a couple of standouts. Let's get to the nominees. First up, we got Captain Kate Pride, the Pirate Queen of the Quiet Council and the Red Queen of the Hellfire Trading Company. Uh, we saw Kate Pride take on a whole new demeanor this year, just kicking ass and taking names. We've seen her treated a little bit differently from the ex-office because of first her inability to access the, the Krakoan gates and then the trouble with her resurrection. And it's just been a wild ride. And I think we've seen a Kate that is more Kate than ever emerge uh, from the other side of this year. And it's been really incredible to watch. Next up, we have Magic, one of the captains of Krakoa, Ilyana Rasputin, who has had a tremendous year, whether it was in Otherworld or whether it was fighting the plant aliens on the front lines of Empire, you know, you name it, and Magic has been there at the front lines. Uh, she's really become one of the faces of, of this Krakoan era, even appearing in other books such as Strange Academy. Uh, so it's been really exciting to see Ileana kind of basically eclipse her big brother, you know, and I, I love Colossus for sure, but it's been really cool to see Magic kind of become the most, you know, the more popular Rasputin. Next up, we have Captain Britain herself, Elizabeth Betsy Braddock. We've seen Betsy have a tremendous year. It's been really special to see her and Kanan, kind of, who has also had a, a very strong year, seeing them develop as, as separate and uh, independent characters, and seeing her take on a leadership role and finally claim the mantle of Captain Britain. It's something that's been a long time coming, and it's been really cool to see this all take shape, and we're excited to see what the new year holds for the entire Captain Britain Corps. Now, ready with fresh lilac, beautiful hair, and in some cases, feathers. And finally, our last nominee is Big Blue Daddy A himself, Apocalypse. We've seen from appearing in Davos wearing a snazzy suit to laying down the foundations of mutant magic to the crucible. Apocalypse has been all over developing this new era and taking a, an active role in shaping the Krakoan society. So without further ado, the X is for podcast X character of the year is the first light of the mutant dawn and Sabanor, the high lord Apocalypse. Apocalypse has been so busy this year and has really just been everywhere. His redemption arc has been so complete. Seeing this big bad villain from the 80s turn into this, you know, later on in the 90s, he became kind of the ultimate big bad because we all went through the age of Apocalypse and saw, you know, kind of where Apocalypse's endgame could ultimately lead. From seeing this pure bad guy, bad guy, turn into a pillar of mutant society, paternal figure, portrayed as a husband, you know, it's just been really exceptional. It's a kind of redemption you don't see too often. We're all sad to see him go, but we can agree that Apocalypse went out like a champ. One day he will return, but there's no rush for that. We're all really happy with what's going on right now, and, and long may the Krakoan era reign. 
I just want to say before I sign off, I want to give a special shout out, honorable mention to the sassiest mutant on Krakoa. He did not make this list and that is a crime and I am here to rectify it. Special shout out to Mr. Sinister and all of his clones and his snazzy cape. Sinister has just been such a delight this year and such a a fun character and it's just been really cool to see Hickman take him on like this and shout out to Zeb Wells for his handling of every single character in Hellions but goddamn Sinister is a delight so I am throwing that out there all right that's enough from me I just want to say to you our listeners thank you so much for tuning in it's been really fun joining the Exus Forever podcast family this year and we're really excited about some of the big things that we have coming down in 2021 and we are looking forward to rocking out with you guys and bringing you new content and some more fun stuff so thank you for tuning in happy new year Hey everybody, I'm Nico. And I'm Jonah. And we're here to present an award that makes a lot of sense for the two of us because, you know, anybody who's been listening knows we kicked this thing off to share our love of X-Men, my experience, and Jonah's newness, and, you know, made sense for us cuddling up, reading some X-Men together. And we changed a little bit our direction when House and Powers came out because they just completely revolutionized how we read the X-Men. So this next question makes a lot of sense for us to present together. What was the best revealed new plot twist in House of X slash Powers of Ten? The Krakoan Flowers, Moira's Ten Lives, The Resurrection Protocols, and The Five, and The Quiet Council of Krakoa. Now, this was one of the ones where X-Twitter and the X-Pack both said the same thing. It was a resounding response of Moira and her 10 lives in both directions. For me, as a classic X fan, I can't agree more. You know, we actually had several more choices for some of these questions, but if they didn't get enough results, we didn't bring them over to the Twitter poll because Twitter, you can only have four options. And, you know, nobody chose the Chimeras. And that kind of strikes me insane because, like, everybody loves the idea of combining mutants together, and the Chimeras were so popular. Moira resetting everything was such a big fucking deal that there was no way around talking about it. You know, in her first appearance, we called her Machine Gun Moira, because she charges in with the mutant power of a machine gun. And now here we are talking about how she actually is like the ultimate mutant. Yeah, I think what it was is the bringing of this importance of a character who hasn't had much to do with the X-Men for a long time. Moira's kind of always just been there and she's been a great ally when we thought she was just human. So it was really nice and refreshing to give her this new identity, this new role in the greater scheme of mutant survival and it was a really beautiful tribute to a character that we already loved as machine gun moira but now as moira x being this you know badass woman who's trying to save her entire race to answer your point about the chimeras i think everybody loved the chimeras but that didn't feel like a twist that was more like a really cool element in one timeline that we haven't seen again so i wish I think that if there was a bigger, you know, point to bring that up, because I think there was a lot of conjecture of when Rasputin was first revealed, we were like, she kind of looks like Colossus with Kitty's hair. What's going on with her? And she also happens to have like a really cool sword. Some Kurt about her too. There was a lot of mystery. And I think when it was revealed that there were chimeras created by Sinister, I think everyone went, oh, you know what? He would do that.
Hello everyone, this is Rod. You can find me at Rod Kamada on Twitter and Instagram. And the next award is Marauders. Marauders has been an intense reading experience, made more intense by the shipping delays this year, unfortunately. Now, a book full of surprises and big moments. What was everyone's favorite? The nominees are Kate Prize Rebirth, Storm Slaps Emma, The Triumph the Return of Jimbo Carnation, and Storm Receives Her Sword from Wakanda. Now, we have two different winners for this one. The first winner is for the X's for Pod group voting, which is Storm Slaps Emma was the winner of that one. And then for the Twitter poll, it was Kate's Rebirth. Two great moments of the Marauder series. The Storm Slaps Emma moment is a great moment because they have a troubled past and they finally reconcile in this series with that moment, talking about Kate's death and coming together, finally realizing that they can be more than just frenemies. And then with Kate's rebirth, she finally realizes that she can come into her own. And she discovers or is more okay with herself being bisexual, as we see. So those are really great moments. And I'm sure we will see those moments explored more in the new coming year of Marauders. And I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, Nico here, and I am so excited to present this next award because I think no X book has captured my heart and imagination quite the way X Factor has this last few months. In a standout era, it has been the standout title for me, and it has sought to create new relationships and experiences. And we asked both the X-Pack and X-Twitter, which stood out the most to them? Was it Rachel and her new dynamic with Amazing Baby and her ability to sort of transcend the fact that it's a war wolf and still show love? Or is it Dokken and Aurora's chemistry, these two characters who, you know, are so hard to even imagine together, coming together and being able to share page time in a dynamic, interesting way? Is it the new X-Men Academy X reunion centered around Sophia and the important developments that spun out of her Mojoverse story? Or is it the Five and X-Factor's synergistic approach to the Resurrection Protocols, which we've now seen in multiple locations? Now, the X-Pack winner was my choice as well, new X-Men Academy X reunion. This book was so pivotal to my becoming such a major fan of the X-Men at just the right time, and I couldn't love it more. But X-Twitter went with a different choice. Now, they went with the chemistry between Doc and Aurora sort of changing everything for both characters. I not only get that, but I can really respect the choice. I think that the new X-Men Academy X moment really applies to my fandom in a unique way, but there's no doubt in my mind that the Aurora Dokken stuff is going to imprint on their characters for a long time. And I imagine that, yeah, that's what X-Factor is looking to do. It's looking to introduce new status quos for these characters, and I couldn't have been more excited to talk about this book and what it means to me. It's really been sort of the queer stoner psychological investigation that I've needed from the X-Men for quite some time. So in sort of the grand tradition of Grant Morrison and Pete Milligan, but completely in their own ways, Leah Williams and David Baldion have created a book that makes me feel very represented and makes me feel a lot of love. Hello, nerds and X-Gene fiends. My name is Blake Morgan. You can find me on Twitter at btmorgan85. And I'm here to present one of the X's for Podcast Awards. The uh, ongoings weren't only the uh, top-tier X-Books this year. We also had some amazing one-shots and miniseries throughout the shipping calendar as well. And we had a poll for what was our favorite mini. 
Because that's what we do in the States. If we have any overseas listeners, we poll and we poll and we poll, and then we elect monsters who take away our COVID benefits. But that's a different story. Let's go back to the X-Men. The favorite minis this year, the options we had were Juggernaut, Empire X-Men, X-Men Fantastic Four, and Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood. What was the winner? Well, the X is for podcast team chose Empire X-Men, and then we released the polls to all you crazy wonderful people, and you voted the same. So Empire X-Men was a universal winner within good reason, because it was awesome. And it is an example of what every tie-in should be, and I'll get into that in just a moment. Now, before we get into the hot deets of this miniseries, I'm going to do some office work here because there were a lot of hands in the kitchen. Every X-Rider worked on this. Jonathan Hickman, Teeny Howard, Gary Dugan, Ben Percy, Leah Williams, Vita Ayala, Zeb Wells, and Ed Bryson all wrote different parts of this four-issue miniseries. The pencilers, we had Jorge Molina, Lucas Wernick, Andrea Bricardo, who drew a wonderful zombie queen magic, I might add. Uh, Matteo Bufagni, inker. We had Adriano Di Benedetta. And for the letters, we had VCs Clayton Cowles. Color artists were Nolan Woodard and Rochelle Rosenberg. So like I said, a lot of a pretty heavy creative team. But again, this was four issues. There were different people working on each issue. Overall, like no complaints. Every issue had, had really fun art, vibrant colors, and... You know, of course, we love all these writers because we keep buying all these books, right? Right? I'm so poor. Been, uh, I've been told it's okay to uh, throw out some spoilers here, which I would imagine a lot of people have read this because you voted on it. It'd be kind of weird to, you know, vote and not research anything you vote for because who does that, right? Anyways, if you are a fan of magic, Miss Ileana is a shining wondrous star in this miniseries uh from eating a donut to just slaying zombies and plants and hot pants and tons of sass our war commander commands every scene she's involved with uh and it just like i said if you're a fan of magic then this is definitely an instant buy for you we also get some really cool moments with scarlet witch dealing with the guilt of you know wishing genocide that's basically the whole gist of this is she tries to undo her her sin you know the sin of sins and and bring these mutants back which of course does not go to plan because with the x-men what does go to plan Something always goes awry, uh, some villain always shows up, there's always some blockade they have to get, you know, past, which, you know, makes tension and drama and why we keep buying these books. So, you know, of course it's not an easy venture, and of course we don't want it to be. Doctor Strange also has some really solid moments, uh, like him uh, drinking away his aggravations to the Scarlet Witch when she goes to him for help. Well, going back to magic, there's a part where she turns into a pink magic demon god. Uh, the Zombie Queen of New Genosha is the title she bestows upon herself, and that's just uh, that's just wonderful. That was my favorite part, probably. I know a lot of people will love the pure himboity of Warren. He has some really great moments here, too. Uh, especially um, when he deals with the uh, Gardner ladies, the old trio being Horticulture, who premiered in X-Men. Uh, and I believe I wasn't the only one when they premiered. A really big, you know, WTF moment for me. Uh, I try not to question Jonathan Hickman because I, I, I'm not a writer. Well, I mean, I write, but I'm not Jonathan Hickman. And he is a, he is a genius and I'm sure has big plans that we are not privy to yet, but Anyways, I just, I know I wasn't the only one who was uh, questioning the, the 
uh, premiere of horticulture when they came out but they actually make up for that in this uh, in this mini series they're actually really fun they're very crude they actually help and so you know i i really dug that i, I dug horticulture which i feel kind of dirty for saying i never thought i would say that but their interaction with warren is is also really top tier and very comical this mini series varies in tone and it it isn't a problem uh, it goes from, you know, good action to funny to heartfelt. The The ending is really cool. They bring in this this new mutant explodey boy who has been, you know, brought back to life through, you know, our, our, our normatized reincarnation in the X-Books these days. But he's brought back to life and, and confronts his zombie self. And they have this really heartwarming conversation. And, and it actually, you read about it and you kind of learn about life and guilt. And it's it was really cool and it touched me and I did not expect that to happen. Like this mini series titles itself like <laughs> alien plants versus mutant zombies and the plants versus zombies motif is really wonderful. And, but like I said, it's just goofy, crazy fun for the most part. And I did not expect all the feels in the end, but you know what feels and, and emotions, you know, we, we play with these writers and, and artists play with these. And, and when you manipulate that in the right way, that's what makes great writing and great storytelling. And that's what we have here. It was a wonderful story. I really encourage everybody to read it. If you haven't, the trade is out. It's also being released in the Dawn of X trades, if that's um, how you're buying it. And you can also still buy the single issues. Nothing sold out. So, Empire X-Men is a hell of a fun ride. And I really appreciate the uh, X's for podcast, guys. Let me come on and spitting some sort of knowledge at you guys, I guess. <laughs> I don't have a lot of it, but I do read a lot of comics. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy the award show. I hope 2021 treats all of you better. And happy fucking new year. Thank you so much for listening. Find me on Twitter, BTMorgan85. Fallen Angels and Hellions changed or reestablished a new status quo for a number of characters. Which was your favorite? And the nominees are Quanan as Psylocke, Nanny and Orphan Maker, call him Grey Crow, Maddie Pryor is taken seriously. Best Fallen Angels Hellions reset? The X's for Podcast winner is Maddie Pryor is taken seriously. The Twitter poll winner is Quanan as Psylocke. This was such a tough category. So many amazing nominees. And our two winners, just incredible character development. Madeline Pryor, I have so many complicated feelings about, and she has such a complicated past with the X-Men. And I, I know that this is not the last time that we're going to see her. I wish that she hadn't been killed off so quickly. But what she does and what her character really does is brings a conversation that kind of highlights a lot of the flaws and the blind spot with Krakoa and the X-Men regarding her. The Quiet Council's reasoning for not bringing her back is very dubious. Fighting that she's a clone when we know there are other clones that are very much their own person and individuals. And I, I love so much that that conversation um, around Maddie, around Resurrection, is still being continued in the in the pages. I think that's so important. I think a lot of the questions and feelings that we have as fans and readers when we when we read something like that like oh, they're not bringing her back for XYZ and we question those. It's so great to see that there are other characters in the book that are having those same feelings. And you know, I love I love seeing that represented. 
And I look for, I really do look forward to Maddie coming back in the book because there is no way that one Alex is going to let it go because of his relationship with Maddie. And we're talking about a book with Sinister. So, you know, he's got to be cooking something up. So I'm, I'm so certain that she will be back at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later, but uh, I look forward to it. Quanan, uh, what another amazing character who is getting, who's really getting more of a highlight, which is so great to see in both Fallen Angels and Hellions. Quanan, of course, is a character who has lived in the shadow of another character. And I really see her personally as like such a, such a strong solo act kind of character. And getting her in these team books where she's in a leadership role is so wonderful because not only is she good at it, actually, she's kind of great at it, but I love seeing the different dynamics that that brings out. And, you know, she's getting paired with characters that I never would have even expected. And it works. It works so well. And it's so nice to see Quanin being Quanin, getting to differentiate herself from what we've known in the past as Psylocke. And really, although I, I don't necessarily love that she took the name Psylocke, because as we know, Betsy was called Psylocke before the um, the, the body swap, but it, it, something about it really suits her. And the fact that she's owning the name and making it her own is so wonderful to see in this new era. And I look forward to seeing more of that and more of her brazen personality coming out and showing us what kind of leadership qualities she has. And yeah, that's it. Hey guys, I'm Kyle. And I'm Nico. I have to say, with this Dawn of X relaunch of Cable, this is my first time actually getting to read an ongoing featuring him. So this has been quite a interesting experience for me. Uh, how about you, Nico? So I'm going to tell a, a secret, a story secret that we don't talk about too much. I always liked the idea of Cable, but like growing up, I hated Cable, like as a comic book and like as a guy who took over New Mutants. I weirdly saw him as replacing Wheezy Simonson, who had been the writer on the title. I felt like Cable kicked her off the book, which makes no sense. Not at all, but... (laughs) I get that. I get it, though. Yeah. It's it's a complete change of the style of the book. Yeah, exactly. And it, like, you know, replaced the writer as well. And I was a big New Mutants fan classic. I didn't really come to understand X-Force for a long time. And my favorite iteration of X-Force remains led by Mr. Sensitive. So what do I know? But at, you know, at the heart of things, Cable is a character that grew on me the older I got. And I really came to understand, like, that he carries scars. So reading this version of Cable has been really exciting for me. And we put out a question to the X-Pack and X-Twitter. And the question was, since his reintroduction pre-Hoxpox, Cable's new younger self has brought change after change. So what twist in his new solo title had you the most interested? Our choices were Cable dating the Cuckoos, Cable and the discovery of the Sword Station, Gorgon evening the score in Ten of Swords in the pages of Cable, or the reveal of Deadpool's complicated new relationship with his now much younger best friend. So the X-Pack, we decided that our most interesting twist to the Cable title was Cable and the Sword Station. Whereas X-Twitter decided that they were most interested in Cable dating the Cuckoos. 
I just sort of don't know what I I don't know what to do with those. So I personally went with Gorgon. Like that was my thing. I mean, I've been pushing Gorgon since day one. So Gorgon, even in the score in the pages of Cable, it was like a new kind of soldier helping out an old soldier. So that's where I was at. You know, the sword station is awesome and it gave us sword number one, but I don't think that that like, this is Brokeback Mountain all over again. Drive just won the Oscar, I guess. No, I... I think both of those are terrific twists. I was maybe a little bit more engaged in the success of Gorgon, but the more I think about it, that was Gorgon succeeding in Cable's title, and he really has nothing to do with him. So, you know, both of these were tremendous moments that Jerry Dugan delivered with exquisite emotional resonance. So I, I definitely agreed with the X-Pac's choice of the sword station. I thought that it was an integral part of Ten of Swords, and the fact that it brought us into Marvel Cosmic, it really got me excited. The Cuckoos, I, I kind of find hilarious. Not in a negative way. I, I just like the way that they act towards Cable. <laughs> you know, I, I, I have so much trouble with this because I want to say that I... I don't know. I'm shocked X-Twitter found this particular twist so positive. I am by no means negative on it. Truly, I am not coming after this twist because I did think that it gave us an interesting story direction and some important characterization. But honestly, I don't know that I am the biggest fan of that relationship until we get a little bit more development there. And I don't blame Ten of Swords for being a crossover when it happened to be a crossover. That shit happens. But, you know, I... You know, yeah, fine choices indeed. Fine choices indeed. (laughs) So... Hi, this is Nathan. You can find me online on Dazzler AOA on Twitter and Instagram. Ten of Swords ran through many of the X-Men titles and featured several one-shots. Which of the one-shots was your favorite? The nominees are Free Comic Book Day X-Men, Ten of Swords Creation, Ten of Swords Stasis, and Ten of Swords Destruction. And the Platinum Dazzler goes to Ten of Swords Destruction. This is a personal favorite of mine. This issue has it all. It sets up so much of this Reign of X era that we're in right now. It's can't wait to see where everything's going neatly wrapped up the story not only by bringing in the sword station and the sword aliens it also let us believe that maybe saturnine wasn't the total villain that we thought she was this whole thing and that she really was angling for the ending that we got we also realized she maybe wasn't as all-knowing as we thought she was when we were able to see that she did not foresee that the switch they would make would be for Araco itself now, I can't wait to see the repercussions of this issue reverberate throughout all of Extum. We're just starting to see it, so I'm so excited for what's to come. But, if anything, the whole 22 issues was worth it just to see Saturnine turn the Annihilation Mask into that ridiculously amazing wand that she gave Genesis at the end of the issue. Also, the several glimpses we get into the new Captain Betsy Corps uh, are to die for. And always remember... Saturnine got almost everything she wanted except for one thing, Brian Braddock. So until we really find out that Betsy Prime is now inhabiting the body of the Violet Swan, make X-Men mine.
Hey guys, I'm Maddie. And I'm Nico. And we are here today with the Platinum Dazzler Awards, bringing you the category for Best Second Wave Title to Come Out of the Dawn of X. Now, I'll be honest, I had my favorite going into this, and I haven't made it a very good secret. But your choices for favorite still-running Second Wave title were Wolverine, X-Factor, Sword, and Hellions. And I think there's so much to take away from each of these titles individually. As we've covered all of these on our This Is X coverage on X for Podcast, we have seen beautiful work by Ben Percy done over on Wolverine. X-Factor is getting tremendous work by Leo Williams and David Baldione. Sword was probably the standout first issue that we covered for the first time. And Zeb Wells' work on Hellions is unmissable. So this was really something of a, a nail-biter for me. But if we had to get to the answers here, we'll go to the X-Pack first. The X-Pack winner here was, no surprise, X-Factor. And the Twitter winner was a little bit of a surprise, Hellions. And I'll be honest, Hellions was the runaway winner, which was just super shocking. What is of note is that Cable received no votes in the initial voting process for which titles should make it. And that's why Cable is missing from this. Anybody who's saying, hey, no, Cable was a second wave title. Well, it unfortunately received no internal votes and thus was denied to you externally. You know, I voted X Factor, so I'm with you. I was a little surprised by Hellions, but I'm glad to see that there's a little bit of something for everybody in that regard with the second wave as well. You know, I voted in as far as the internal vote between the X-Pack was concerned. I voted for X-Factor and I had a feeling just based on our coverage because I was so fortunate to be a part of the X-Factor coverage for most of the first five issues. I, I had a feeling this was going to be the runaway winner, but to see Hellions get such a nod on Twitter is tremendous, and it's such a testament to what Zeb Wells is doing in bringing us a somewhat grittier and alternative title in the main X umbrella. I think it's tremendous. You look at the introduction of Tarn the Uncaring and the Locust Vile in the second-to-last issue to current, and there's just such a a dark and, and alternative tone here that is not being seen across the other titles so it must be reaching an audience i agree and i don't think that it necessarily reflects poorly on any of the other wave two titles because i think what happens here is that there's so many things that the x line is trying to hit there are so many stories and if you're looking for some sword and sorcery there's excalibur if you're looking for something with a little bit more revenge to it you've got hellions or marauders I feel like X-Factor satisfies a very specific psychological need, and I do feel like Hellions gives a voice to a kind of X-Book that doesn't get enough respect, so I'm not surprised by either of these as much as I was maybe hoping to see a better showing from X-Factor with X-Twin. Hey guys, I'm Evelyn, the Comic Canary. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at comic underscore canary. And I'm here to reveal bum ba da da the launch title that is the favorite amongst the X is for podcast family. With such a great line, it's really hard to choose. But which of these still running launch titles was voted the favorite? Interestingly enough, this was probably the hardest one for me personally to choose. I definitely love all four nominees. X-Men, Marauders, Excalibur, X-Force. They're all written so well. There's something for everyone in these 
these comics where they all just resonate a different way and are just so interesting. But there can only be one. And the winner is Marauders, which is hilarious because if you listen to our podcast, well, we kind of gush all the time about it. And myself, I'm such a big Kitty Pride fan that like seeing her in this role as now Kate Pride is awesome. She's such a badass and just so unapologetically incredible. Between her and Storm and Emma Frost and Iceman and Bishop and just all of those amazing people, ugh, it's fantastic. So definitely a good choice with the winner there. And uh, we'll see what the next category is. See you guys soon. Hey everybody, I'm Jonah. And I'm Nico. And we're going to talk about the giant-sized issues that came out during the Hox Pox era. It was a really neat return to form of these isolated stories telling a generally overall narrative, mostly about Storm contracting a techno-organic virus and having to cure herself of it through the help of Phantom X. Other stuff happened too. So that brought us to the award for which giant size X-Men one-shot was the favorite of the X-Pack and X-Twitter. Now, after the initial ballot voting, the nominees were Jean Grey and Emma Frost, Nightcrawler, Magneto, and Storm, with both Phantom X and the giant size tribute to Cockrum and Ween not making it past the initial voting stage. And to, I don't think anybody's surprised, the winner for both Twitter and the X-Pack was giant-sized Jean Grey and giant-sized Emma Frost. You know, a duo who saw this very similar idea back in the issues of New X-Men, a beautiful and loving tribute to it. And you know, Russell Dowderman really comes to life with these over-the-top landscapes, not that he hasn't cut his teeth on a dozen Marvel titles at this point, but... You know, he's so associated with Thor and these supernaturally large ideas. Matthew Wilson does such incredibly detailed color work. And, you know, just the two of them expressing the story without the need for so many words, touching back, like Jonah said, on New X-Men and Enough Said issue. I think it's almost hard to avoid how significant this issue was. I mean, I will say, I do think all of the giant size issues were worth a buy. None of them were particularly frustrating. I think, you know, for the most part, they kept everything tight and fresh. And I'm just glad to see that the giant size X-Men experiment went well enough that they're continuing to include it in the volume-based Dawn of X trades that include the entire line across the board. 